Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. If you're a parent, you've likely experienced this. If you're not a parent, you probably have as well, of your child or a child being on the side of the swimming pool. And you're in the swimming pool, and there's a toddler now, just toddling around, out of balance, on the side of the swimming pool. And you're in the swimming pool, trying to get them to jump into the pool to you. And you keep moving closer and closer. No, and this, here's this angst. And they're trying to, and they're, they start one of these deals, you know, where they're, can I go, can I not, should I do it, should I not. And the ultimate decision that they make to jump in the pool or not is based on one thing, that they trust you in that moment. They trust you more than they trust themselves. Their trust is transferred from, I can't do this, I'm scared, I'm afraid, to, I know you're there, and I know you'll catch me, and I know you're not going to let any harm come to me. That transfer of trust <clears throat> is probably, oftentimes, a child's first example of what all in looks like. I can't trust me, or my ability on its, on its best day is, is inadequate to make this situation work. So I trust you more than I trust me. In this given situation and in this moment, my, I have more trust in you than I have in me. Today we're going to look at Peter. Um, and Peter had several examples where he was, you know Peter. Peter was a lot like Peter. I mean, he was, he was just, he was out there. He, if he, he's one of these guys that had no verbal filter whatsoever. If he thought it, it was out. And he was, could be obnoxious in situations. He was certainly uh, uninhibited and unintimidated for most situations. And so we'll, we'll see that unfold today in these four accounts that we're going to look at in his life. But Peter had several encounters, as I say, that we'll look at here in the scripture, that he had to step back and in his own inability say, I can't do this. I trust you and I trust your judgment and your wisdom in this situation more than me. He had, Peter had a number of all-in moments. We're going to try and capture four of them today. So if you turn to Matthew chapter 14, look at this first one together. <clears throat> Matthew 14, verses 25 to 32. <clears throat> Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. When he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out with his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over to the other side at Genesaret, and when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought their sick to him and, and begged him to let the sick uh, uh, just be touched by the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. Peter here in this encounter, he's, this is an immature Peter, very very early in Jesus' ministry. But Peter here in this this encounter 
had an incredible amount of lack of faith and, and, a, and an incredible amount of immaturity. Yet, his inexperience and his immaturity said, I want that experience. And that's what he wanted. Peter wanted this all-in experience to say, this walking on the water thing's cool. I don't know if I've got the faith to do it or not. But this, and he cries out, <clears throat> Lord, if it's you. And look, look, look there in, uh, in verse 27. Jesus said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. The very next verse, Lord, if it's you. <laughs> he had just said, it's me. And here's Peter seeing Jesus, hearing Jesus say, yes, it's me. Say, well, if it's you, can I come out? Can I get out of the boat and come out with you? Come on, he says. You know the story. So here's Peter in, in, in a great deal of anxiety and a great deal of skepticism and a great deal of immaturity, yet still wanting that experience that Jesus was experiencing. Great lesson in that for you and I. Because here's the truth. Our enemy, the devil, says to you over and over and over again, he says the same thing to me, you don't know enough. You know enough, you'll experience more of God. When you take a few more Bible studies, read a few more books, spend a little more time in, in the scriptures, give a little more, serve a little more, you don't know enough. And when you know enough, you're going to start to see a side of God you've never seen before. I'm going to tell you that's hogwash. It's straight from hell. It should smell like smoke to you. Why? Because here's Peter, immature, brash, but yet wanting that same experience in his immaturity and in his fear, wanting the same experience, wanting to experience the same thing Jesus is experiencing in that moment. He says that's a great lesson for, for us uh, today because that should tell us regardless of our maturity level, regardless of how long we've known Christ, how little we think we are equipped to, to, to walk with him, he says to us, come on, come on. I'm going to show you, even in your immaturity, he, <clears throat> even in your skepticism, I'm going to show you some supernatural things about myself that you can see if you get out of the boat. You can't stay in the boat and experience these things. You can observe them from afar, and you can see other people's lives. You can see their walk, and you can see God at work in them. But he said, you've got to get out of the boat to experience me. To walk in this way, you can't stay where you are. You can assess from where you are, but you can't experience from where you are. And so let's move beyond this lie that the enemy is saying to say, listen, if you know more, when you know more, when you're smarter, when you've got more, more, more spiritual stamina to yourself, you're going to see a side of God you've never seen before. And he says, no, you don't have to wait till, you, till you're mature to experience me. Your experience of me and with me will grow you in the process. That's what, that's what Jesus already knew here about Peter. He's about, Peter's world is about to be rocked. Two, two lessons here. We're not going to deal with this sinking today. That's, that's another, another great lesson. But two lessons here to say, get out of the boat. And then the second lesson is keep your eyes on me out of the boat. But he knew that, that Peter was about to experience something that would change his world. And it did. And here, so here's Peter getting out of the boat, walking toward Jesus, losing this, this whole sense of skepticism that he had. Lord, if it's you, that's really you. It's not a ghost. That's yeah, me. Come on. Losing his skepticism, losing his fear to experience a side of his relationship with Christ that he never had before. Uh, we, we keep many of us waiting on this point of arrival. When you've arrived spiritually, when you've memorized enough verses, when you know enough songs, when you've given enough, when you've served enough, when you've gone on several mission trips, when you've, then you're going to start to see me in an intimate way. And those things are great. Don't discount those things. All of them are good, spiritual things. But there's no carrot that's dangled out here in front of us to say, okay, when you get there, I'll give you the carrot. When you walk with me this far, I'm going to give you... That's not how Jesus works. He says, come to me in your immaturity. Come to me in your skepticism. Come to me with whatever you have. Come to me in your disbelief. Come to me with your anger. Come to me with whatever you have. Get out of the boat and start walking with me, and you'll experience a side of me that you've never seen before, that you never would have experienced had you not had the faith to move beyond what is safe, 
about what you know, about what you've experienced before. Look at 30 and 31. Uh, he says, he started to sink and he cried, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and called him, you have little faith. He says, why did you doubt? Even in his immaturity and even in his skepticism, even in, in, in a total lack of faith in that moment, uh, having walked out, out on the water. Now, here, here's Peter, brash Peter. If it's you, can I come? Yeah, come on. Gets out of the boat, boat and takes several steps. I don't know how, we don't know how many, but takes several steps on top of the water. Now, if it's you or me, I'm, I'm scared enough. I'm, I'm, I'm enough like that toddler on the side of the pool with, you know, with one of these going on to say, how quick can I get to him? Because I know safety is in him. I know safety is in the person that's in the pool. How quick can I get to him? But that's not what Peter does. He said, man, this is cool. <laughs> he starts looking around at himself and what he's, what he's accomplished here by being on the water and starts to sink. And he says, but by, by, even, even, even in my fear, even in my sinking, even in my skepticism, I know where to go. I know whom I can believe. I, I know this experience can't be had apart from greater faith. And it's a great lesson for you and I uh, that we can learn from, from Peter. Um, here's here's this, uh, the, the end result of, of this first little point here that I want you to get. That's this. It doesn't matter what you know. It matters what you're willing to risk. You can know everything and risk nothing and never see a side of him that, you would, that, many, that many will see. Yet you can know little and risk everything and see more of him than most folks experience in their spiritual existence. What are you willing to risk? Peter was willing to risk his very life to get out of the boat, to walk on the water, to find and experience what Jesus was experiencing in that moment. Uh, he knew there was more, and he wanted to experience more, and he overcame his fear of his own, of his own peril to experience more of Jesus. Great lesson in that for us. He wanted an all-in experience. Secondly, not only did he want an all-in experience, turn, turn to, to Matthew chapter 17. Peter witnessed an all-in moment here in this passage. Let's look at verses 1 to 7. After six days, Jesus took, him with, uh, took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. A voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus touched them, came and touched them and said, Get up, don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. He witnessed here an all-in moment. And he says here, <clears throat> in the middle of this all-in all moment, he said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Listen to how Peterson puts this in the message, this same, uh, 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 chapter 17, verse 4. Peter broke in. Master, this is a great moment, he said. What would you think if I built three memorials here on this mountain? One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Peter is obviously emotionally overtaken in this moment of transfiguration. He never seen anything like this at all. And he had seen walking on the water. But he'd never seen anything like this. Never seen the face of the Lord glowing as in holiness, as we'll see it one day. All of us will. But saw him transfigured, saw him in his glorified state, and was really wowed by that. Now, Peter had, <clears throat> as I say, he had no verbal filter. Peter had a, a lot of foot and mouth disease, and it, it, it kept, crept, up with him, crept up to him a lot of the time. Here's a great example. <clears throat> Not knowing what to say, 
And in those moments, I, I found it's best to say nothing. But not knowing what to say, he finds out, I've got to say something. Something's got to happen here. This is a holy moment. I'm experiencing it. What, what can I do? Lord, you know, let me build three shelters, three memorials. And as to say, let me build three statues, three monuments here to this experience so that nobody ever, ever uh, forgets it again. And what he was trying to do, this was less about struct- building structures here in Peter's mind and more about capturing the moment. You and I have experienced those in our walk with Christ, whether it's teenage years, early adult years, or, or a hundred, like Doc. <clears throat> we've captured, we've experienced moments where we want to bottle it. And, and, and whether it may be on a retreat at a conference, maybe at a church service, and we want to bottle it. We, we hate to leave the church, hate to leave the, the, lo- the campsite, hate to leave the, that location, hate to leave the retreat. We want to bottle that experience and bottle that moment so we can open it back up again and experience it again. And we do our best to capture it. We do our best to remember it. We do our best to regurgitate it. We tell stories about it to each other that was there. You remember such and such? Man, God just shown up and, and you, the spirit was so thick we could cut him with a knife. And we just, you sensed God's presence more, in, in a more physical way than you ever had before. And you, talk, you, you regurgitate those stories to your friends who were there. You want to capture and relive over and over those moments. That's exactly what Peter was doing here. As I say, it was less about monuments and buildings and, and shelters and temples depending on your translation, and more about how can, I, how can I seize this? I don't want to let this go. This is a holy moment in a holy place. How can I, how can I tuck this away to where I can pull it back out again? Because I, I like this, and I want to experience God continually in this way. Day to day, we haven't. We've experienced some incredible things with Jesus, but I've never seen anything like this, this holy transfigured moment. I'm in a holy place, and I'm wowed by it. And the best thing he could have done in that moment was just learn and observe and keep his mouth shut. But he opens up and says, Lord, wouldn't it be cool if I built three temples here, three, three shelters here, three monuments here, three memorials here? And Jesus says to him, you know, seize your, seize your moment, Peter. And, and the Lord, the, the voice of God coming in to say, this is my son, listen to him. In essence to say, it's almost as if God the Father is saying, Peter, keep your mouth shut and listen. Just watch. Uh, pay attention to what's going on. You'll soak more in of me if you'll make more time to hear me. Uh, it, it's, it's, but we're, we, each of us are like that. We, each of us experience those moments where it's euphoric almost, and we want to capture it and seize it and be able to pull it back out to, to, re, to, to, to help us re, not only remember that experience, but experience it again for ourselves when we feel away from God, when we feel like we've left him or he's left us. We want to relive those moments that were precious to us, holy to us, um, and, and this is, again, here's Peter, a little more mature than he was in the boat, but still here on the mountain, enough immaturity to, to be green enough to feel like I've got to fill the space with something. And he speaks, you know, immaturity, babble uh, almost in that moment. But there's this, but he's, he's there, and he wants, to, he wants to engage. He wants to, as Firehouse Sub says, he wants to be fully involved. You get, I, get, I get every sandwich fully involved. I don't care if it's, if it's, if it's a... Anything anybody offers on a sandwich, if Leanne's Mick fixing a sandwich at home, if she says, you want tomato, lettuce, yeah, all of that. Anything that's offered, usually I get on a sandwich. I want, it, I want, to, I want the whole experience of the sandwich. I want to be, you know, if, if it's on the board, if it's on the, if it's on the menu, and if it comes on that sandwich, I want to experience every bite of it, every, every, every nuance of that sandwich. I don't want to leave stuff off. And, and I, get, I get every firehouse sandwich I get fully involved. That was Peter's deal here. He wanted, I want to soak this in. I want to be fully involved. I want to engage this. Not only do I, want, do I see Jesus in his holy state, I want to move up closer to this. I want to capture this because I want to relive this. I want to I be in. 
I want to be in it. And he was, and he was there. That's why he invited the three in the first place, to be in it. He didn't realize he, he, he couldn't be more anything than what he already was. So in his, his, in his immaturity, he opens his mouth and wants to hang on to this moment. Uh, in, watch this now. Immaturity, and this is, this is true of the life of Peter, true of the life of most of, us, most of us. Immaturity wants to hang on to this moment. It wants to hang on. Maturity knows there's another one around the corner. You know why? Because there's enough mileage with Jesus to say, this spiritual moment will feed into another, and that will feed into another, and feed into another. If I have the faith to walk with him in that way, I'll experience those moments over and over and over again in my life. Peter's thought, there's never nothing, never be anything like this. And there was more around the corner. And as he matured in this situation and grew in his understanding of Jesus, he began to know that. But here he is in immaturity, not seeing this can be experienced tomorrow and the next day. I can see and walk with with a transfigured Lord every day of my life if I choose to do so. It's my choice to do so. So he witnessed an all-in experience and or wanted an all-in experience and witnessed an all-in moment. Thirdly, turn to John chapter 13. <clears throat> These next two will be in the in the book of John. Peter here thirdly lived an all-in attitude. Wanted an all-in experience, witnessed an all-in moment. And here in John 13, verses 4 to 9, he lives an all-in attitude. Watch this. So he got up from the meal. This is at the, at, the, at the Last Supper. He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, this is Jesus, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Not just my feet, he says, but my hands and my head as well. Last week I played a little clip for you from a John Legend song, All of Me Wants All of You. That's exactly what Peter was desiring here to say. If it's, if it's washing my feet to where I, I, I want, he, he says, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. And Peter says, I, I don't want just a part with you. I want all of you. I want in. I want to know you more deeply. Than, and look at the things Peter's already experienced here um, that we've already looked at. And so here's Peter saying, not just my feet. I mean, if it's, if it's to experience part of, a greater part of you, then don't just wash my feet. Give me a bath. Wash my head. Wash my hands. Immerse me in you. I want to experience you more deeply. I understand you're, you're being a servant here washing these cruddy, dirty, stinky feet of these guys. But I want more than just that. I want, I, want, I want to know you. They're intimidated by that. I'm not intimidated by you washing my feet. I'm humbled by it. No, you're not going to wash my feet. I'm, I'm, too, I'm too low for you to wash my feet. I'm humbled by it. But once I hear your answer, you have no part with me. I want all of you. So wash my entire body, cleanse me all over. I want to experience you. I want to walk with you. I want this knowledge of you that I didn't have. I don't want, I don't want partial. I don't want Sundays. I want all of you. I want to experience all of you. I want to hang on to this moment. Um, Peter was he, was, he was one of these guys that was always looking for more. Uh, on the water, he was looking for more. On the mountain, he's looking for more. Here at the Last Supper, he's looking for more. He was the more guy. There's more to God than I've experienced. I see it, I know it, and I want it. And I'll tell you, the more you grow in your faith, the more mature you become in your faith, the more you're going to see more, more often. 
And the more you're going to long for it more often. And I'm going to tell you, the more you experience, the more you learn, the more you grow, the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. And the more you realize there's so much more to God than I've experienced before. And the more I learn, the hungrier I become. The more I experience him, the more I want to experience him. Because the more I feel like I'm seeing God in ways I've never seen him before. And he's unfolding himself and opening, opening himself up to me in ways that I thought were just reserved for the holy guys. Reserved for the missionaries and the evangelists and the pastors. And the, He said, no, come in. I want you to experience me in that way. Uh, and, and Peter was over and over and over again inappropriate. And he was just socially inappropriate. And we see that we see that in, in each of these stories. But his inappropriateness, uh, what he lacked in, in inappropriateness, he made up for in zeal. What he lacked in appropriateness, he made up for in passion. Because I imagine these, these other 11 guys in the room thinking, who in the world does he think he is? Saying, no, you're not going to wash my feet. I mean, here's, here's the master. He's coming around to wash all of our feet. And Peter said, no, you're not going to wash my feet. And there's this, this discourse, this interchange. If, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. Whoa, then wash me all. I don't want just to, I want to experience all of you. This is a great ministry to these other 11 guys. You know why? Because he, as he was changing his name from Simon to Peter here earlier in the Gospels, he's saying, on you, on, on the rock, I'm going to build my church. The New Testament church was given birth, we'll see that more in just a moment, was given birth out of, the, out of the, the, the lineage of Peter's experience with Jesus. So each of these experiences created a deeper root system, greater knowledge, greater faith. And the Lord knew that and so pours into Peter here in this experience. Uh, but the, 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 the church needs to find this same passion. Look, listen to Ephesians 4. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And that's exactly what Peter was saying. He said, listen, wash me all over. Don't just clean my feet, clean my head, clean my hands, clean, clean my heart, clean me up before you. I want to experience you and, and understand you in ways that I never had before. I want it all. I want the all-in experience, whatever that looks like. And, and here... You see his, the Lord's response to him. Um, but the church needs to capture this. We, Cross Point needs to capture it. Every New Testament church needs to capture this. Why? Because there is always more. And there are people around the more corner of your life that need to see your example and your, your experience with God and desire to be a part of it. Long to know it more. Long to know you more because of who you know and what you've experienced. Is it that you walk with a, on, a, on a plane above everybody else? No, but you walk with a sense of peace. You walk with a sense of pur- purpose that is very much unlike our culture. Um, with, with you, You've seen the news stories, not just this, this tragedy in Orlando, but over and over and over again. You've seen news stories of terrorism and of, and of, and of, and of violence and, and of extremism and all kinds of things. And our culture is grappling to make sense of everything. They're trying to understand what's, what starts at the motive of this. Why, does he, why do these things occur? And at the motive, at the core of these things, these occur because we're in a broken world surrounded by people with dark black hearts who don't get it. And that's why I say a person who's walking in peace and walking in purpose and walking in passion it will stick out like a sore thumb in our culture. And people will look at them as some kind of freak initially. But the more they walk in peace in the midst of turmoil and the more they see purpose in the midst of chaos in our world, the greater the witness is going to be, the louder it's going to be. And so the more people are drawn to the Christ in you, you don't have to say, listen, I'm a Christian. At some point you will, but your walk, your, your, your countenance, your attitude, your, 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 your mileage with him starts to come out 
And I see, listen, this is something different about this person. They don't, they don't have a worldview like I have. They're not panicked like everybody else is. They're not, they're, there's no sense of urgency. There's no sense of, 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 of uh, anxiety about them that the rest of our culture faces. Why? And those questions may come over lunch or over a break or over at the grocery store. Listen, tell me what's going on. Are you on drugs or, or are you just that, do you have that much peace about, about life? Is this chemically induced or is there something else going on here? No, there's something else going on here. I see the plan. It's all laid out in scripture. God said the end time would be like this. And so I'm anticipating his coming again, looking for his return. It allows us a much louder witness. Um, Chuck Swindoll says that our attitude shapes our altitude. That's altogether true because Peter's attitude here to say, listen, not just my feet, every part of me. His all-in attitude shaped who he would become because Jesus knew that he would be required to be all-in when attacks against the early church started to come, and they did. And it, in fact, it cost Peter his very life. But when attacks against the early church and the early Christians started to come by the Roman government, he knew he would need a, a stalwart leader that said, I'm in. Doesn't matter the cost, doesn't matter the price, I'm in. I can be counted on 100% of the time. And so this attitude he had of, of fortitude uh, says, whatever the cost, whatever the price I'm willing to pay, I'm willing to walk in because I've seen him, I've experienced him, and I know him, and I know he's changed me, and he can also change you. Peter knew that. He didn't have any question in his mind about that, and he even knew that here in this upper room, experience here at the Last Supper. Well, fourthly, not only did he want an all-in experience and witness an all-in moment and live an all-in attitude, I love this story. Turn to, to uh, it's still in John, the 21st chapter, and Peter experienced this here, an all-in restoration. Peter experienced an all-in restoration. Look at verses 15 to 17 with me of John 21. When they had finished eating, <clears throat> Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, <clears throat> Son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, <clears throat> do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that he loves you, that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. He, Peter's response here the third time, Lord, you know everything. You see inside of me. You, see, you know me more deeply than I even know myself. You know that I, that I love you. Why would you ask me a third time? You know the good and the bad. Here's Peter. <clears throat> reeling after his denials, um, probably feeling a great deal of guilt, a great deal of sorrow, uh, being the, feeling, feeling like he's the one that Jesus could, could always account for and, and count on in any situation, feeling like if there's anybody that's ever going to let him down, it's never going to be me. I'm the one. I'm going to stand by his side regardless of the cost, regardless of what happens. And, <clears throat> and here's Peter with a sword, the, the, the night before Jesus' crucifixion, with a sword defending Jesus, cutting off the ear of the Roman centurion there in the garden, and hours later the same guy denying him three times before the cock crows, just as Jesus had predicted. So here's Jesus asking him three questions. Peter, do you love me? And Peter doesn't get it until the third question. And after the third question, the scripture says that he was hurt. Look at what he says there. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time. You know why he was hurt? Because he remembered his denials. He said, here, here's Jesus again asking him three questions, the same three questions over and over and over again. And Peter finally gets it. 
the three questions were about my, the three times I walked away from him, the three times I ran from knowing him and was adamant about it. And so here's Peter, I'm sure guilt-ridden, downcast, and, and, and the Lord responds to him, listen, you know all things. He said, you know that I love you. You know that. You know me better than I know myself. So Jesus said, feed my sheep. And so here is, here is three questions, reminders, reminders of these three denial, denials. In his saying to Peter, Peter, I, I've got a job for you. This feed my sheep was not just, well, and that's, that's another whole lesson into, into itself, his responses here to Peter. But his, his, he says, I've, I've got a task for you. I've got a job for you. I've got something for you to do that's kingdom, that the kingdom will never be the same for your having done. So he's saying to Peter, I don't care about your denials. That's history. I knew you would do that in the first place. I'm sovereign. What I'm here to tell you is I can use those very things, those very failures, not only to remind you of them, but I can use those very failures for your good and for my glory. And he can always do that. I don't, it doesn't matter the depth of the failure, whether it's denial, whether it's, whether it's abandonment, whether it's, whether it's anger, whether it's, whether you're, you know, you're, regardless of your, your issues with him. He can use anything, any, the darkest place, the darkest road in your life to bring glory to himself and good to you. Only God can do that. And he's reminding Peter here with these three questions. Yeah, I know you denied me three times. But I want to use those three times. I don't want to just forget them. I don't want to say they never existed. I want to use those three times as motivation, as a catalyst for you to be reminded, I'm supposed to feed the sheep. I'm supposed to tend the lambs. He's got a job for me to do. I need to feed the sheep. I, I have a task for him. He still wants to use me. In spite of my denials, in spite of my walking away from him, in spite of all, he still wants to use me. He still wants to, for me to feed in somebody else. What have I got to say of value to somebody else? But he's reminding Peter, I've got a call for you. I've got a purpose for you. I've got a plan for you. And it reminds each of us that same thing. He even takes Peter back to his to his pre uh, 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 to his pre call, I guess, or, or pre. Prior to God's calling, to Jesus calling him, he calls him Simon, son of John. First time in the gospel since, he, since, since meeting him, since he walks by the seashore and says, come and follow me. That, at least in the gospel of John, that he's referred to as Simon again. And Jesus calls him by his given name, Simon, son of John. Do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Okay. Feed my sheep. Become Cephas. Become Peter. Walk away from Simon, son of John. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yeah, Lord, I love you. Walk away from Simon, son of John, and become Cephas, become Peter, become the feeder to the, to the sheep. Simon, do you really love me? Or you know I love you. You know everything. You know I love you. Then walk away from Simon and walk toward Peter. Walk toward your call. Forget that old guy. Yeah, he, he resurfaced here around, around the fire a few nights ago. Forget him. He's dead. Let him die. And become Cephas, become Peter, become the rock. I've got a job for you. It's to feed other people. It's to, <clears throat> to tell them my story. It's to be a discipler of other folks. You can't be a discipler in the pit. You can't be a discipler staying in denial. You've got to become a discipler, moving away from the old man, moving away from the pit, moving away from those three denials, and realizing I've got a call on your life. I've got a purpose and direction for you. Now, the enemy wants to keep all of us in denial. He wants to keep all of us in the pit. He wants to remind us of our failure. He wants to remind us of what we can't do. He wants to remind us of our inadequacy. He wants to remind us of our inability to be, to be 
to offer anything of any spiritual value. Who do you think you are? He says over and over again to us. And here's Jesus saying, that was the old guy. Let's leave him in the pit and become Peter again. Become this one who feeds sheep and feeds sheep and feeds sheep and tells the story of what Jesus has done, what he can do, what he's doing, and and becomes a disciple of other folks. Um, He says here as well, going on down to to verse 19, uh, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would uh, glorify God. And he said to him, follow me. The very first words he says to Peter is, follow me. Some of the last words he says to Peter is, follow me. In essence, he's saying, become an image of me, Peter. Don't just look at me and walk behind me. Walk as I walk. Think as I think. Speak as I think, or as, as I speak. Become like me. Follow after my likeness. Become Christ-like. So that as people see Peter and they look at Peter, they see Jesus. Follow me. Be a follower of mine that's invested. Be a follower of mine that is all in, that's bought in, that has walked away from his old self, his family, his vocation, everything he knew, and is walking with me, walking with me and, and following my example. Uh, in essence, reminding Peter, Peter, you can't stay focused on you and me at the same time. You can't remember the denials around the fire and remember the things that I want you to share in people's lives at the same time. You've got to walk away from you to find me. You can't find me in wallowing in wh- who you used to be. Walk away from that old nature and that old man, and you'll see me. You can't see both places at the same time. Okay, a couple of observations here as we close. And that's this. Peter lacked the pedigree and the knowledge and the polish. In essence, he wasn't from anywhere, didn't know anything, and didn't come across well. In fact, the car, looking at the 12, Peter, Peter's probably the least most likely one that we would pick to say, okay, There's the guy that's going to be a catalyst to the New Testament church starting. And he was. In fact, uh, the early church would not have gotten started without Peter's blessing and his approval. Paul, you and I look to to Paul as being probably a a higher contributor to the New Testament church than Peter because of all of his recorded writings and letters to the churches that we have in the Scripture. Peter has writings here too, but Paul has far more quantitatively speaking. So many many folks would look to Paul to say, okay, Paul was a greater influence in the New Testament church than Peter, right? No. Paul wouldn't do anything without Peter's blessing. And Paul went to Peter to say, in essence, back to Jerusalem, after his call now, after, after his Damascus Road experience, to say, listen, and I'm paraphrasing now, but God's called me to take the message to the Gentiles. Is that okay? And he gets Peter's blessing. Why? Because Peter had a vision himself on, on the roof of Cornelius' house to say, listen, rise, kill, and eat. It's not just for the Jews anymore. I want the gospel to go to the Gentiles. And so he gets Peter's blessing. Paul does, Silas does, Barnabas does, Timothy does, Mark does, gets Peter's blessing before any church is ever planted in Asia Minor. And as they go out into, into, into some of the Greek regions to plant churches, it all became a catalyst to Peter saying, yes, this is what God wants. Let's go, man, let's go. He was the one they came to, to see, do you think God's in this, Peter? Is this something we should do? Is this just flesh? Is this just our human thinking? Or is this of God? Peter blesses this to say, yes, let's go. Let's, 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 let's plant churches. Let's, let's spread the gospel to the Gentiles. Um, so what Peter lacked in, in, in knowledge and pedigree and policy he made up for in zeal, as I said a moment ago. But he was an undeniable, undeniable example of what God can do with an all-in life. He didn't have it. He wasn't slick. He didn't, as I say, he didn't know a lot. Didn't come across very well but a great example of what God can do with an all-in life. Why? Because he sold out. He said, listen, I'm leaving fishing. I'm leaving family. I'm leaving my life, and I'm following him. I'm 
following after his ways. I've seen enough of him. I got out of the boat to walk on the water. I experienced his holiness, and I'll experience that same holiness that he experienced. Saw that on the mountain. I had an attitude around the table that said, listen, I don't want my feet washed. I want all I want all in. I get it now. I understand what all this is about. I want all in. And even after failure, says, <laughs> if he can restore me after that, he can do anything. Because I walked away from him, and I denied him, and I left him alone. And it's haunted me ever since. If he can restore after that, he can do anything. He can restore any situation. He can redeem any hurt, any pain, any loss. And he can, and he does. But Peter got it. He saw a side of Jesus that he wouldn't have seen had he not been willing to get out of the boat, get up on the mountain, immerse himself in the, in the washing, and experience this restoration. He, he would have never seen that. He'd not walk this way. And Peter was an all-in guy. And you and I sit where we sit today in this church because of him, because of his influence, because of the fact that he said, listen, I don't care the cost. I don't care what, God's, what God wants me to do. I don't care if I think I can do it or not. If he's opening the door, if he's leading, here's where I'm going. And he becomes, he becomes this champion of the New Testament church that, that you and I, as I, as I say, are sitting here the beneficiaries of a couple thousand years later. So the lesson here is this. If he can do that with Peter... Couldn't he do something with me too? Peter was totally inadequate and brash and offensive and skeptical and immature. Had a lot going against him. If he could do that with Peter's life, couldn't he do something with me? What would all in look like for me? Would all in, what, 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 what would it require? Would it require a new vocation? Would it require reprioritizing the things I do with my life? with my resources, with my money, with my time. What does all in look like for me? What does that become? Is that a price I'm willing to pay? Peter said, I'm all in. Don't just wash my feet. Wash me all over. I want to be immersed in you. Why? Because I've seen in you everything I need, everything I want. God can do some incredible things with an all-in life. He really can. The question is, are we willing to get all in? Are we willing to step out of convenience, out of the known, into what he calls us to do, into the fact that he's got design and destiny for us. We'll never experience it in safety, never experience it in the boat, never experience it at the foot of the mountain, never experience it around the table saying, you're never going to wash my feet. No, I'm, I'm not worthy. He said, yeah, you are. I said you are. We'll never experience him unless we're willing to get all in with him. And the deeper we go, the more he reveals. And the more he reveals, the deeper we go. And the deeper we go, the more he reveals. That's the way he works. He did that in Peter's life. He'll do that in your life and in my life. But we've got to get all in to find it. Are you there? Are you there? Are you willing to go there? Whatever that looks like. You do business with God today, you're, you're welcome to come and pray. You always are. I don't say that enough here probably. You're welcome to come and pray and give to God whatever you want to give to him to, that, that's keeping you from being there. But whatever that looks like, I want to encourage you to take a step today. Say, listen, God... I want to get out of the boat. I want to start to take some steps. And I know you're going to bless it, and I know I'm going to be encouraged by it, but what I want is that to be a courage builder for the next step. Because I want to experience, I want to know you in that way. And I'll never find it over here in safety, over here in the known, in my world, in my managed little existence.